Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. Welcome to the Less Stressed Life podcast. This is your host, Krista Bigler, private practice integrative nutritionist, helping people across the U.S. reverse digestive issues, eczema, and autoimmunity via phone and video consult. To learn more, visit lessstressednutrition.com. Now, on to the show. All right, today on The Less Stressed Life, we are talking fertility with podcast host Sarah Clark. Uh, She hosts the Get Pregnant Naturally podcast, where she shares um, functional medicine and natural fertility solutions to eventually reverse infertility. Um, But a little background about Sarah is that when she was 28 herself, she received a diagnosis of premature ovarian failure which is not a very fun diagnosis. Um, She accepted that and had both of her children through in vitro fertilization. Years later, she realized that the root cause of her infertility was really food intolerance. So I talked to Sarah earlier this week, and I realized like she and I are very much on the same page about a lot of things, which is makes for great conversation, right? So um, she's a certified life coach with accreditation from the International Coaches Federation and a health coach with training from the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. She's also the author of Fabulously Fertile, Supercharge Your Fertility Naturally, um, a a cookbook by by the same name and the fertility preparation program. Her fertility coaching program, which includes functional lab testing, supports couples to make diet and lifestyle changes that dramatically improve the chances of getting a healthy pregnancy and um, baby is based out of Toronto. And we are so happy to have Sarah with us today. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, I mean, we just talked a little bit about your background, but take us maybe from what happened. I mean, you kind of accepted, you accepted this diagnosis, you had your children, and then years later, you realized, hey, wait a second, I could have done something about that. Bridge that gap for us. Tell us what happened there. Yeah, totally. So I always joked in my early 20s, I was having menopausal hot flashes. And looking back, I was. I remember being in, in, in HR at the time, like fanning my face, joking about this. And at the time, I had irregular periods. I had my periods maybe twice a year. At that time, I thought it was a good thing. Um, and I had this uh, weird fungal rash on my chest. All of a sudden, I developed um, dandruff. And then I so- suddenly developed on my chin. I had this like super greasy chin and a lot of acne. And through my teenage years, I didn't have one pimple. Um, and, and so at that point I, I had this plan, I wanted to get married at 25, have my kids at 28. So I continued on with those sort of health issues along the way and was put on some birth control as well to help, to help with that and regulate the cycle. And then I'm like, okay, wait, I want to have my, my kids at 28. So I went into, and you know, and my periods were still, um, well now they were coming through with, with, with the pill, but then I went off the pill and they were still irregular. Um, 
And then I went into my OBGYN and basically was told I had premature ovarian failure, which is a loss of function of the ovaries before the age of 40, and told them the only way I'd ever have children was through donor eggs. So I remember like leaving the clinic completely in, in shock, um, but because I'm a person of action, I went straight to the fertility clinic. I got on a list for a donor egg, and I was lucky enough on the first fresh transfer to have our daughter, and Ava is 17. So this is back in the day when you say donor eggs, and people didn't even know what I was talking about. Uh, unfortunately, now to our, you know, our standard um, or diet and lifestyle, it's a lot more common. Um, and then we had two embryos left over from that. And then we, um, so I went back in, my husband's like, Sarah, you seem super stressed, you know, but I wanted to have my kids close to, uh, close together. So I went back in and those embryos didn't work. Um, but on a separate list for a separate donor and then had our son, Will, and Will's 14. So, um, and then my, then fast forward, my health began to suffer. I had chronic sinusitis, chronic yeast infections, chronic bladder infections, became allergic to like every type of antibiotic. At one point, I thought I had fleas. No, it was the highest in the antibiotics. I had vertigo. I had toenail infections. Um, I was just backed up against the wall. I didn't even know what to do. At, at the time, I was still in HR, so I decided to take a life coaching course. So I took that life coaching course, had my own personal wake-up call, and then I ended up taking a health coaching course, and that's where I discovered I had these food sensitivities. So I took out, for me, uh, so gluten, dairy, corn. Uh, corn. Corn was later, but initially it was gluten and dairy. Took those out of my diet, and then lo and behold, the symptoms began to gradually improve and also making lifestyle changes. And then years after that, I also discovered I had a gut infection doing doing some stool testing. I had H. pylori and streptococcus and uh, yeast, uh, yeast overgrowth. Um, and, then, and then at that point for me, I was fully in menopause. I was like 40 years old when I discovered all this. Uh, so it was too late. So if you're still cycling naturally, there, there's things you can do. And that's really my message is, you know, using the tools of functional medicine, looking at diet, looking at that, you know, um, uh, lifestyle medicine. There's things that we can do to um, to help this and to reverse it. Yeah, you and I have some differences. We have a lot of similarities. As I hear your story, I hear mine a little bit. So um, <laughs> yeah, that definitely that fungal stuff and uh, just how it manifested on your skin. And just, I totally know what you mean. You just kind of think, oh, this is normal. But you get to a point where you're like, no, this is not okay anymore. This is not normal. So you do something about it. And I also had a chuckle about um, you were you said you were in human resources, and then you took a life coaching course. I mean, how fortunate that you had that intersection where that happened, because it put this new idea into your mind, right? And that's kind of sometimes all we do. Yeah, absolutely. Before I would have thought I was happy in HR and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, life coaching. Oh, health coaching. Oh, this is it. And um, I went now at fertility coaching and I never even, it was never on my radar. I, I took, I actually did a, a book writing course with the, with the health coaching school I was at and I was going to write a book, a book about weight loss. I've never struggled with weight loss in my life, but that's the book I was going to write. And then I'm like, Sarah, your main your main struggle has been fertility, but for me, I didn't look at it that way because I thought, oh, it's like you know I've been told donor eggs. Some people would think that would be the absolute worst case scenario to go to donor eggs. I actually looked at it differently, just because I maybe I just naturally frame things positively. I, I have no idea, um, but I just like oh, I don't I don't need to go through all those years and years of of, of struggling. I just go here and use someone else's eggs, and and I was lucky enough it worked. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about the diagnosis you received, premature ovarian failure. How common is that? 
Yeah, it is. Uh, I'm not sure what the stats on that. It's like it's it is low low percentage. I think it's like under six percent. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not I'm not sure on the exact stats, but it is it is a it is um, not as common as say you know PCOS is like sixty percent. Um, it is more common now for people to have like the low AMH, so the low ovarian reserve, um, more more than than POF. Um, but basically, a lot of people will you know, people will come to me with POF or if they have a little ovarian reserve or, um, unexplained infertility. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. I think earlier this week we were talking about how hormonal issues is still sort of a band-aid word. Like it's a buzzword, but it's still like, there's a lot of root causes underneath hormonal issues, but let's talk about, um, something that I think we're both, um, we both definitely agree on is let's talk about common side effects of hormonal birth control. And I don't mean this in a judgmental way at all. It's just that it's about awareness. And we just don't talk about the awareness of what can happen when we're on something for long term. So tell me what you commonly see. Yeah, because this is this, this post birth control pill syndrome. And I see a lot of people that that are struggling with infertility. And many people have been on birth, you know, hormonal birth control, and their period comes back and they get pregnant. It's fine. But there's another segment of people that that are, you know, been on it for years and years and they come off and everything's not fine. And then it's, it impacts their fertility. A lot of times they were when you ask people, well, you know, why did you go on it? The majority of people that I say that it's not to, you know, for for um, you know, prevention of a, of a child. It's more, oh, wait, my cycles were irregular. I was put on it when I was 13. People tell me or they put it with 16 because my oh, I had acne or I had. Um, heavy cycles or irregular cycles. So there's usually, you know, some reason why, you know, it's prescribed and then, and then people are on it for years and years. And then it's, and this is from uh, uh, Dr. Jolene Brighton. She talks about the uh, post birth control pill syndrome, which will, which will impact your nutrient levels and then also the healthier gut. So the fact that I was on, you know, hormonal birth control pills did that then set up, you know, that so, you know, predisposed me to that intestinal permeability, leaky gut, lead to gut infections. Maybe I was on it for years and years. So um, is that what kind of, you know, set set the stage? And I think um, that's something that people it's it's instead of being prescribed this pill, you know, why, you know, look to see what else is going on in the body as well. And it's funny, my, my daughter, who because I didn't focus on my preconception health, both my kids have these food allergies they're both dairy and gluten-free, which being teenagers, I got to tell you, is a nightmare. But um, so, my, so my daughter, she um, she was having issues with her period and because she was running out and having all kinds of gluten. I'm like, well, maybe if we went off that. But anyway, she's like, I just want to go to the doctor and I want to see what he's going to say. And we went to the doctor. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll humor you here because I'll see what he has to say. <laughs> went to the doctor and he literally is like, and she's like, oh, the periods are really heavy and I got you know bad PMS and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like... You know, maybe if, I'm, I'm talking to her about di- uh, dietary issues, and he's like, "Well, why? Oh, the first thing you said is, why don't you take the pill?" And she looked over at me and went, "Okay, mom, I think you're right." And uh, and yeah, and and sort of started to make some of the changes herself. So she finally, at the age of 17, I think, kind of gets the correlation with you know what she eats is directly going to impact about her, you know, the if she's going to have you know strong PMS or things like that for her. Yeah, she sees that direct effect. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all are kind of characters of we don't want to do something that's not 
easy or fun to us, right? So we have to do we have to do what gives us the biggest results. And so sometimes that has to be proved to us in different ways or validated in different ways. So I can understand. Um, mm-hmm. Let's go back one step and talk about, you know, often we're put on hormonal birth control. It's probably just like the number one, the only fit. This is the only thing we do, right? I mean, in medicine, this is like, here's our solution for this. Like, this will help normalize these hormones. This is our simple fix. But so aside from that, and maybe that is the one, but what are there some other common mistakes um, that people make when they're trying to improve their fertility? Like what are things that they miss or what are things that they're doing that aren't really helping? Like to me, it's it's going to your OBGYN and then, oh, wait, I've been trying for either, you know, over 35, six months um, and, and then under 35 a year and go straight to the fertility clinic. Or I'd be like, wait a minute, that's why I'm doing the podcast, like get the uh, the uh, Get Pregnant Naturally podcast talking about functional medicine because like why don't we listen to what the body's saying? So if we do have to go to the fertility clinic, and it's not about excluding Western medicine or conventional medicine, it's like, wait a minute, let's listen to what the body, like the body will give you signals, the whisper, whisper, and when you ignore those signals, it'll start, you know, shouting at the form of disease, and that's from Dr. Mark, Mark Hyman. But um, let's listen first. So instead of rushing off down here, doing an IUI, which has a 10% success rate, IVF has an average success rate of 30%, you know, even donor egg, 50%. People think that's a, that's a, that's a done for you, but it's only 50%. So if you've got something else going on in your body, like, let's just, let's focus on your preconception health first. So maybe you do have a food sensitivity, you know, maybe you're super stressed and you're, you're working like over 50 hours a week. And, you know, where's that baby going to fit into your life? So looking at mindset, um, maybe your sleep sucks and, you know, you're getting six hours or less of sleep a night. Um, and so there's all sorts of those those foundational pillars of, you know, of sleep, stress, um, looking at a good diet, even if you don't want to look at the food sensitivities, looking at, you know, switching to organic, um, shopping the periphery of the grocery store, like Mike, Michael uh, Palin says. Oh, sorry. Like, yeah, like he talks about if your great grandmother doesn't know what it is, then don't eat it. Like some of these basic things that I think we've now I grew up in a household where my mom, like my mom, my parents were vegan. Actually, when I when I left before that, they were kind of they were vegetarian. So like super healthy. My mom was doing like transcendental med, uh, meditation like 30 years ago when people didn't even know what it was. I was like, tell me your mantra. She wouldn't tell me. But um and it, and it's and so she she was very like very into the healthy lifestyle and then I left there and started eating soup out of a like Campbell's soup out of a tin like I I don't know like it was just sort of I forgot all those basics I think a lot of us do and it's sort of like we just take it back to basics yeah well the the common lifestyle now is go 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 right as we already know and so sometimes if we aren't assessing if we're just being very unengaged if we don't if we don't have any awareness of our current stress level having a baby isn't actually going to make anything less stressful so it's not that that will ever go away by just a lot of times it's kind of like shopping if we go shopping we'll feel better right that's what we think or if we have this baby we'll feel better that's what we think or if this will happen if we have this new house we'll feel better that's what we think but really it's usually something on the inside and you really it's hard to tell people that until you have that revelation on your own or that epiphany right um but i i totally hear what you're saying so 
If we talk about fertility, um, this stuff doesn't really happen overnight. It takes a long time to create these issues and also to reverse them. So what's a really a reasonable timeline if you're working with someone or if someone is working on fertility and they're doing the right things? How long does it take to improve that egg quality, to improve uterine lining, to improve sperm quality? What's a reasonable timeline that you could expect when you're working on fertility? Yeah, like it takes 90 days for the egg, the egg to renew itself, 70 to 80 days for the life cycle, life cycle of the sperm. So um, it's really to, you know, that's a minimum. Um, so so really it's like we, we have a six-month program, and depending on, you know, what's going on in someone's health, it could be up to a year. Um, but it is like in those, in those in a short period of time, like if someone has got a, a sensitivity to gluten, when you take that inflammation out of their body – I've had people that read my book and go gluten free and they're pregnant. I've had people that take our 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 mind body uh, fertility program. It's a six week program, like Uber focus on um, the you know on mind body techniques, which come from Alice Domar. So she's the pioneer of uh, mind body fertility. She's a Harvard researcher, and her her programs you know include meditation, visualization, um, journaling, being in a group. Uh, atmosphere with other people going through infertility and being able to shine like some compassion to them. So then you kind of kind of shines it back back to you. So those those mind body techniques are extremely powerful and just making mindset shifts. People can be, be pregnant quickly, but it is like, we believe in all of it. We believe in the mind, the functional medicine side of it, with like looking at testing, looking at the diet, removing infl- you know inflammatory foods, going organic. So to me, like it would, it would probably be like six months would be a, a minimum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you bet. I like that. I really appreciate that you have a little mind body course, right? It's a digestible. Uh-huh. It's a digestible piece. Um, this is the piece that no one wants to talk about. I actually can see in my program which modules people skip or what they've finished. People f- frequently skip ones about stress. Um, it's like they're like, mm, don't have time. <laughs> for that one. Um, so it is a big deal. And I often tell people, well, I mean, you can kind of tell immediately when you get on the phone with someone kind of where they're going to be. Or I, I often tell them, I say, Hey, I mean, when your mindset's not in the right place, you get better a lot slower. You just do. That is how it is. Um, it's just, it's almost appalling. Um, it is appalling and it's night and day to see it, um, in, in clients. So, so I'm glad you bring that forefront. So, uh, you, we were kind of talking about egg quality, sperm quality. Let's talk about foods that we consider fertility foods overall. Yeah. So if you look at the, the uh, fertility diet, so that's the Harvard nurses study over 18,000 nurses over the course of eight years, and then kind of found the best foods for fertility. They, they talk about, um, like foods that are, so you want to do uh, complex carbs instead of simple carbs. So you want to have your, your, your whole grains. I, I look at it there saying, well, first of all, see if you're intolerant to gluten first. So take that out for a minimum of three months. And if you want to do a food sensitivity in there, you can do that as well. Um, but yeah, so to look um, to looking at whole, whole grains, um, they found in there about um, dairy. They said not to have skim, skim milk. Um, they had to, they recommend full fat dairy. My thing is make sure a lot of times people are quite intolerant to dairy is the casein, the protein in milk that they can be intolerant to. Um, so to take that out, see if you're intolerant to dairy first. Um, they, and they talk about, um, what else is on there? Um, um, there's cat, they're talking about, um, caffeine. So I think actually they talk about caffeine in that one. Um, 
yeah, there's studies about with um, caffeine. So you want to make sure you uh, reduce that. If you, like, I think there's a study. Well, there is a study talking about uh, one one cup of coffee a day is okay. But there's also other studies saying um, not. We we recommend to go off of caffeine, but not to go off cold turkey. So you want to do a, a withdrawal kind of period on that, where you you can do it over the course of ten days and really go from. If, you're, if it's coffee, for instance, you'd go from um, uh, full calf to half calf to, to decaf down to um, green tea down to herbal tea. And the same same for pop. You want if you're on any kind of soda um, to reduce off of that as well, but filling it with with water. Um, yeah. So the fertility foods, a lot of it is like just it's kind of that common sense stuff of where you're shopping the periphery of the gross, grocery store, not eating processed foods. Um if it's got, you know, more than those, those five ingredients, you probably don't want to eat it. Um, and then like there's, we, we, we just kind of take it a little bit differently because we'll start everybody by doing a elimination diet. And so then we see exact, people can see exactly how food impacts their body because it's different for everyone. Cause we can say, Hey, you can go paleo or keto, or you can go vegan or whatever it may be. But if, so we just with the elimination diet, which is you take out dairy, gluten, corn, soy, peanuts, and eggs. And you take those out for ten days, and then you systematically reintroduce them over the course of thirty, and really making a journal there to see how food impacts your body. So you bring back in corn if people say, oh, it flares up my asthma. You know, bring back in dairy, I can feel phlegmy. Bring back in gluten, I can feel, you know, my you know digestion issues. So this that really is the first step to see. Okay, how do you feel? And then while they're doing that, they get the results of the food sensitivity test. Then you can tweak it, tweak it even further. And we like the same as you would like the leap MRT. And so basically, you take the yellow foods out for sixty to eighty, sorry, um, sorry, thirty to sixty days, and then the red foods out for ninety days, and then just tweak it further. And depending on if there's any kind of gut infections, then you need to kind of dig into those as well. So like the food thing can be you can keep it like totally simple and say go 100% organic because you know we're in the middle of a huge food experiment all our food is sprayed with glyphosate um and it's which studies uh, link that to infertility and other health issues so going 100% organic is 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 a good first step um if that's too cost prohibitive you can do the the dirty dozen so there's foods that are top foods that are sprayed with um with pesticides you want to avoid those and you do the clean 15 um and then kind of you know keeping it, I guess, going from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So foods, you talked about stool testing. Is there other functional, is there, are there other functional tests that you find essential in fertility um, when you're working on fertility clients? Yeah, like we, and so basically people come to us with different fertility diagnoses, but we always will look at the whole person. So it's like looking at the food sensitivity test and you, you potentially don't always need a food sensitivity test, but it, I just, we, we work me a lot with um, people like in, in the medical industry and in the medical field. So doctors, nurses, um, people with like multiple science degrees and all that. And they like, the testing. This is what they feel good, like feel good with the testing. So the testing, then you can actually see, okay, well, what's going on? I'm, I'm intolerant to that. And here it is. And I can take it out. The elimination diet can, can really be a quite, quite effective to, because you could get that, you can get the results of that, that food, food sensitivity test and then do nothing with it. 
you can just look at it and go, oh my goodness, I'm intolerant to all that. Now what am I going to do? This sucks. And I've, I've had that in the middle of a whole leaky gut, came back and my food sensitivity test said I was intolerant to all my favorite foods. Mm-hmm. This was after I had done all this healing and I was, and I'm like super committed. Like I get the diet thing for me is nailed in and I got that test back and I was just ticked off. I'm like, are you kidding me? What am I going to eat? Yeah. So your then gut, I had the gut, gut wasn't gut. healed yet. <laughs> no, then I had all those gut infections. I'm like, oh my goodness. So, so yeah, the food sensitivity testing is a good one to do. Um, we look at the Dutch test and so then that kind of tells us, you know, where your hormones are. So looking at, we've had people that, you know, have been told they have, low AMH and donor eggs are for you when it comes back and their estrogen is just fine. They just have, they have a whole whack of like multiple gut infections going on. So that, so the Dutch test can give us clues into, into um, like further treatment for like, you know, using a stool test. So, um, you know, looking at your cortisol, your melatonin. Um, then we look at the G, we look at the GI map stool test and that looks at is, is you know, parasites, or bacterial infections, fungal infections. Um, I don't know if this just what, you know, most people that come to us, there is something we find on the stool test. I don't know if that's just everyone that has things on their stool test, that's the way it is, or everyone that comes comes to us, they're trying to have a baby, and, you know, the body wants to, pro, wants to survive, doesn't want to procreate. So if there's something going on, we so typically we will find something on that stool test and then, you know, develop a protocol, um, the low and slow approach to, to be able to, to heal that using, using supplements. Um, so it is kind of a, you know, look, so it's, you know, adding in the diet and then looking at the, the, using those testing as a, as a foundation. And then because a lot of people are kind of that type a super driven kind of people, they, they will usually get the diet nailed in. They, you know, they follow all the fun, the, the, the advice of the functional testing. And then that whole mind, set piece is is where there's the struggle was is what we're finding is where like to, to slow down to look at um you know they may be in this like you know super busy jo- job where they're working huge amounts of hours so that piece is equally as important and i'm sort of that masculine and feminine energy so more people on the masculine energy side of things and then the feminine energy of like receiving creating instead of like the masculine pushing and achieving. And so it's, it's equally as important. Um, so as we go through the program, so the six months, if you're like at the beginning, it's heavy on the diet, the nutrition, the testing, and then it starts going to lifestyle stuff, like looking at your sleep. So sleep hygiene for months and months, really focusing on that. It's like a cornerstone of health and fertility, like getting your seven to nine hours and dark room and all, all those sort of sleep um, hygiene tips. And then, um, and then having people slow down with the fertility yoga, which is like a Hatha style of yoga, it's super slow and, and also includes some restorative poses and people are like, really, this is so slow. I can't even do this. It's, it's, um, you know, I want to do like vinyasas. I want to do flows, um, or I want to do hot yoga and sweat it out. There are a lot of people that we're working with, like they're like trained, they were trained for the marathon or they're like just super like big exercisers. So really to kind of slow the whole thing down, right. which it takes time. If this hot, that's your personality and you're like this go, go, go. And you're like super exerciser and that. And we're like, I want you to do some slow fertility yoga where you kind of roll here and you roll there. Um, it would be, it can be, there's some resistance that comes up huge. 
Yeah, yeah, I bet. Well, I want to mention one thing quick before we talk about that is that I am glad that um, I agree with you that not everyone needs sensitivity testing. And I think that's important a conversation to have with someone like, is this a good fit for you or not? I like per- I prefer when someone does something generic, sort of like you walk them through, you know, first with just doing a general elimination. I think it's important to have that experience under your belt first, because sometimes you can get a lot done, or sometimes you can get part of the way and then the you know, the testing helps you take it the rest of the way or, um, and and we all have different ways we apply that or whatever. Right. But something I wanted to talk about is, um, you, you alluded to, you get these marathoners, et cetera, with these fertility problems. So talk to us about that because when we're a big exerciser and we've all, I mean, I don't know, I went through this period when I was, um, the very short amount of time I was ever an athlete, uh, (laughs) I, uh, (laughs) where you get amenorrhea or no period. Right. So let's talk about that. Yeah, I've actually got, um, oh, what's her name? Uh, Nicola Rinaldi, and she is the the author of No Period. And she talks about our, yeah, our, our episode will probably be going live in January or February. Um, and we talk about amenorrhea there. And really, and a lot of her hers was actually where she talked about um, is like a lot of calorie restrictions. And we don't, I don't even believe in the calorie thing. I'm like, don't count calories, count chemicals um is not be restricted that way but so a lot of people with amenorrhea are either like training a lot like doing so much exercise and she when she was um trying to get pregnant she actually said to herself she just said I have to I have to pull this back like I've got to stop this because she was you know she just loved it It was a stress relief endorphins and all that so um to just make a make a you know she just decided to one one day to really reduce that big that vigorous exercise and and not be as restrictive on her her calories and those were some you know eating healthy fats and all that too so that was um a piece so it's not that you have to you know for fertility you can look at the high intensity interval training um uh, t-tap is a kind of a cool one too where you're it's like five minutes and it's kind of a funny little video you look it up t-tap t-a-p-p mm-hmm. uh, so t hyphen t-a-p-p and um and it's and you're just kind of moving these moving your your body kind of but at the end of it and after the five minutes the heart the heart is beating and uh, it's you know you get a little sweat well not over the sweat but the heart is beating um, yeah so so high intensity interval training um, look yeah fertility yoga but you want to do the the, the half a style you want to do the restorative so they're slower um, also looking at um, weight trainings maybe three you know three times a week looking at um, weights. Um, but Billy, it, it's, it is kind of a, a slower, a slower form of exercise. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. Yeah. Um, which I understand why it would be resistance if there, if they were yeah. exercisers before. So when we talk about fertility, there's so many aspects you can look at of that whole linear thing or funnel or whatever you want to think about. You know, we think about, um, uterine lining, we think about egg quality, we think about sperm quality, we think about cortisol we think about i don't know lots of things so you know how are some things that what are some things women can do to improve egg quality besides you know some things that we already talked about like what are some other things in research would you say yeah it's funny i've got a webinar coming up on this next tuesday um because it was my top downloaded uh, episode on my podcast uh people are like want have been told with their egg health either you know that their eggs are not of, of good quality that that they're of advanced maternal age, that maybe there's unexplained infertility, they have, you know, low AMH or high FSH. And and so really, with the principles of functional medicine, it is really, 
like looking at your diet. Um, again, so determining, so either you start at the beginning saying take, you know, go 100% organic, and then you can drill it down at a minimum, taking out dairy and gluten for three months. If you're, if you don't notice improvements, dig into, dig into the, to the gut, infect, uh, gut infections. Uh, medications, if you're on the birth control pill, that potentially could predispose you to those nutrient, you know, absorption issues as well as gut health issues. Antibiotics like me that literally, like, I am not kidding you, like every science infection, I, I had a cold one after my daughter was born, I had nine colds. Every cold went to a science infection. I took antibiotics for every cold. So not a good idea. I completely destroyed my gut health. So if you've been on any kind of long-term like antibiotic use, a lot of people we see have been on Accutane too because they had horrible acne in their teenage years. So all these things that can really, you know, um, harm the, the, the health of your, your, your microbiome. Um, and acids, um, if you've been like in vaccines like Gardasil, people that, 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 that can um, impact it. Um, and then the gut infections like we talked about, I'd say the majority of people when they're thinking about their fertility and their egg health, they, they would never think of doing a stool test. And, a conven- and they may have done the conventional stool test, which potentially could have said everything's fine, whereas that GI map just is such a really good test and approved by, by, by the FDA to really dig into, is there a parasite? Is there a bacterial infection? Is there a yeast infection? Do you have H. pylori? Like what, what's been missed? Um, and then, then looking at stress. So those, those mindset piece, like really getting honest about your emotional, um, like, you know, mental, emotional stress and getting help on that. If there's, because yeah, we live in a stress, a stressful our, our lives are busy and we're, you know, running around and to say to get rid of stress is just not, not even reasonable, but to be able to have outlets for that, be it meditation, um, be it exercise, be it, but not a, like not a vigorous exercise, um, be it just being able to talk to someone to, to vent to get, you know, to be able to reframe. Cause a lot of times people going through infertility, there's, um, there's a huge amount of triggers, be it, Someone in the media getting pregnant is a trigger, be it when you're when you're out and you see a pregnant belly is a trigger, being invited to, um, you know, to people's houses with, with young children is a trigger. Like it's, it's everywhere they go and it's very um, all consuming. And sometimes people will then um, it's important to put boundaries around yourself, but also sometimes they will then alienate like you know, just stay in and not even go out, um, which is at, at this time, what is needed is connection. And then it's, it pull, you know, because it's so harmful, sorry, it's so um, heartbreaking. They actually like will pull away from people that potentially that they, they need. So it is, you know, very brave, you know, Bre- uh, Brene Brown, you know, brave to, to share your story. Um, but it's to share it with a trusted person because you don't want to be sharing the, the wrong person and then it and then it and then that kind of can backfire right and maybe confirm some of the things that you that you were thinking about whatever they may be thinking about you um so the men, the mental emotional stress part is huge um environmental toxins so again with uh, going organic looking at your personal care so switching out your personal care products um i think the average woman is like it's like 127 products she's that are on her skin when she leaves the house. So those are, you know, can in, impact your um, endocrine system. And um, so to really, and not to throw everything out, 
all at once, but to gradually, as things finish, to start looking for a natural, a natural product. I didn't do that till like years later. I don't know for some reason I, I could do the food thing, but I never like the toxins with the environmental toxins. And I have the um, the MTHFR gene, so I didn't even really. So for me, it was even more important. Um, so it's getting rid of this. So the personal care, switching that out, looking at your cleaning products, switching out your your cleaning products to a natural ones, looking at your water, especially if you have a thyroid issue going on, you want to, um, you know, make sure that you don't have fluoride fluoride in your water. So I like the Berkey uh, B E R K E Y. That's a good one. The water just tastes better. It's like super delicious water i've today i accidentally had some water from the tap because someone had put it in the kettle and i i i had my tea i'm like why is this water like it just it almost makes me like choke now because it's so dry or something it's interesting um and and now yeah and our water is filled with birth control um um pill residue as well and there as well as antibiotics and sorts of all sorts of other things so really uh, getting a filter on your water and also especially if there's a thyroid thing going on again a lot of people that we work with there's either, either there's Hashimoto's going on that was undiagnosed uh, sorry, or misdiagnosed and um, no sorry undiagnosed or it was um, they have hypothyroidism and then you know you're getting all that water in the shower which then has um, fluoride which then you can be inhale, inhaling all the vapors from the water so the environmental toxins there and, you know, switching from your plastic to um, getting rid of your plastic kind of Tupperware, going to glass, um, you, you know, using a glass water bottle or a stainless steel water bottle. That's important. Um, vitamin D. A lot of people with that become that see us. So the, the functional levels for vitamin D are 60 to 80. Um, and a lot of the times we see people vitamin D is sometimes as low as like in the in the teens like 20 to 30 so then working with your physician to to increase your your vitamin d levels is important for egg health so all those things are good for for egg health so let's talk about sperm how often is it the sperm that is the problem do you know and uh what can what are people doing that's degrading their sperm health uh most commonly or what can they do to improve that yeah so it's 60 percent of the time it's it's female factor and 40 percent is is male factor so a lot of times you're like, oh, it's just a woman, but uh, no, it takes two to tango on this. And um, there's lots of things that men can do for um, to, to to help with sperm. Actually, I had Dr. Tom O'Brien on the uh, podcast, and he was talking about the importance of uh, for both partners. He won't he won't treat someone or he won't help people that are going through infertility, um, and if unless both partners go gluten free. Because there's studies that he is um, that are that are linking actually both couples to 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 go gluten free. I don't have the name of the study actually, but he has he referenced one in the in the podcast. Um, so and, to be cl- and to be clear, just in case someone's listening and they don't know who Dr. Tom O'Brien is, you did cut out there for one second, so I don't know if you just said it. So sorry if you did, but he's right. like a big um, gluten free famous doctor right essentially yeah yeah he's a world-renowned gluten-free expert he started the gluten-free summit which was back i think in 2016 and he's got a new book out on um on brain health and yeah so he's it's it's a pretty good uh, podcast episode there he really went like hardcore it's like okay people basically at a minimum going dairy and gluten three free for three months and if you don't notice improvements then you got to dig deeper 
into the whole gut infection side of things because that you know you either get pregnant by doing that and if if you haven't it's time it's time to dig deeper um and then for men it's like looking at um like phytoestrogen so you want to make sure you're not having a lot of soy sometimes people will will switch their diet and um if they're maybe go vegan or plant-based they have more soy products which that's you know contraindicated for for sperm so you want to stay away from that um what else so yeah for for men is definitely the environmental toxins are huge so looking at um like the plastics and the personal care and the um the cleaning chemicals that's that has um a major impact on sperm um what else the um um sorry i'm just blanking right now what was the other thing um oh the e- the emfs the electrical magnetic uh field force field yeah uh, emfs so basically um you know not having your laptop on your lap taking your phone out of your front pocket um those kind of, and and also for sperm like i think people know these ones about not you know sitting in a hot tub and keeping it you know warm in there is not is not is not recommended um but there's a lot of diet dietary changes to me is to, to look at as well and a lot of times we come in with female uh factor infertility and and the man's like oh my sperm is fine the count is great and then when we actually and then we look at their their blood chem and we look at it look at it through the the, the lens of functional medicine and then we find there's like oh there's a couple areas you want to dig into which potentially could be you know maybe there's a gut infection that we could potentially say to that may come up if we look at your blood chem or absorption of minerals, whatever it may, whatever it may be. Um, when you dig in there, we found men that have H. pylori or they have a gut infection or they have something going on. So like, it takes two to tangle in, in the fertility thing and really optimizing preconception health for both partners is recommended, even, even if it is just presenting with, with female factor fertility. Yeah. How about alcohol? How often is that a big, how, what would you say about that being a role and how much does it impact fertility? Yeah, like there's, there's, um, I don't know the exact studies, there is a study in my book about it. Um, but off the top of my head, but, so basically we, we recommend not consuming alcohol, but if you are to go to a party or something, you would, if you can get organic wine, that would be better. Or you can do like a, like a spritzer. Uh, I just think if you're you know preparing your body for a baby, during this period of time, consuming alcohol may not be the best idea, but it's not if you're not going to go, if you're going to a party or a celebration and you want to have some, that's fine. Um, I'm actually interviewing someone on my podcast about, um, she has this book called uh, Sober Curious by Ruby Warrington and talking about, there's a whole, um, not to say people are alcoholics or anything, but there's a whole movement um and she's set up these events in new york city called sober curious about how would it be if we actually went out to a party or to an event and didn't drink because there's so much in our culture about us when we go out we have to somehow have alcohol where she and and it was actually in her book and her movement was in time magazine on uh, mindfulness so it's like this mindful mindful approach to um interacting because a lot of times people could have social social anxiety or other issues and sort of mindfully approaching these things and well why are we drinking and do we need to you know back in the university days do we need to go and do all that and if we if we are drinking that much yeah to me for fertility it's not recommended 
Um, so Sarah, if you had to give people, we talked about a lot of things today. So we talked about, um, kind of your story and how all those peas, pesticides, um, plastics, um, personal care products, et cetera. We talked yeah. about hormonal birth control. We talked about reasonable timelines, which I find helpful. Um, it's good to have realistic expectations. We talked about some of the foundational things that can be going on. If you have to give people one actionable piece of advice, um, or just to the woman listening, Iran, or either the the couple, whichever one you choose. If you had to give a piece of advice to this person trying to conceive, what would it be? It really is, and it's that that quote. And I was, I think it's from Dr. Dr. Mark Hyman. But really, um, your body will whisper to you, and when you ignore the signals, it will start shouting at you in the form of disease. So really, just like to step back and say, okay, well, what's going on here? Like, what you know? Let's it, you know, feeling digestive issues every time I eat or always having my people that come to us with chronic migraines and headaches. Like there's other things going on besides the infertility. And even though people say I'm healthy, if we really, there's other things going on, otherwise you'd be pregnant. So I think it's really important to listen to your body before you charge full steam ahead to the fertility clinic to like, let's at least get an absolute minimum taking the three months because of the egg, you know, the egg to renew itself and the sperm, the life cycle, the sperm. So taking that three months to eat some, eat some great foods that are nourish, nourishing your body and maybe listen to see, you know, see what else is going on in there as well. Just dig, dig a little deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it's really funny you say that because I interviewed some friends on hormones recently and they basically gave the same quote in different words and that I've been using it. So it's really funny that you said that. Hopefully people yeah. catch it and catch in that quote a little bit. I didn't uh-huh. know it was from there. So it's comical. Um, okay. So Sarah, where can people find you? Yeah. So you can find me at fab fertile. So F A B fertile.com. Uh, also on the get pregnant naturally podcast that's on iTunes, Stitcher and Google play. Yeah. And then you had a free fertility yoga download and that's at yoga freebie.com, right? Right. Yeah. So it's a 20 minute uh, fertility yoga um, experience. So you can really um, experience some of the the poses that will be helpful for fertility. And really, again, it's like slowing down and taking things easy and really focusing on self-care, which is huge. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, Sarah, thanks so much for sharing this today. And we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks a lot. One of the best gifts you could give us at The Less Stress Life is your feedback. We are paid in podcast reviews. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, please leave us a review. In the iTunes store or from your podcast app, just search for Less Stress Life as if you're not already subscribed. Click on the banana face image, scroll to the bottom where it shows the text of other reviews, and write a review. While you're there, hey, make sure you hit subscribe. For Android or Stitcher users, you gotta go to the desktop site and search for Less Stress Life and then scroll down to leave a review. Stitcher doesn't load Apple reviews on their site, so if you want, you can leave a review in both places. Your feedback means a lot to the success of the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to do that. You rock. 